Yeah, so what were you saying, Matthew? Could you enlighten yeah, Matt, us no. to the audience? What were you saying? Matt, yeah, share with the room. Share with yeah, the room. Please, um, please. Hello. Hi. I, I know there's a couple of um, a couple of youths out there who listen to the show. Click that little skip 30 seconds like two or three times. Yeah, I feel like the youths, though, are the people who should know. Okay, okay, youths. With uh, parental guidance, bring this up to them. Have a, a frank discussion. Maybe edit yeah, this entire thing out. Have your parents listen to the podcast, this section only, with you. Yeah, parental guidance uh, advice. Parental guidance advice. Everyone should come. <laughs> I had uh, an old high school teacher ask if she should share this with her students. Oh my god. I said probably not in like a professional sense but if you're like hey this is a cool kid doing cool stuff yeah but not like a students <laughs> i'm your english lit teacher watch my watch this movie <laughs> podcast where they talk about dick and balls every day that'd be the dopest class ever oh my god so wait that actually reminds me of a story one time in a leadership class uh, we got to do like a uh, youtube video fridays where we got to listen to like an inspirational thing every friday um and you know he would take suggestions from like the kids or whatever and i gave him a suggestion and i thought it was a cool like whatever spoken word thing i was like yeah this is really dope but i forgot they talk about like masturbating and like like fucking like they're like when the government fucks us without a condo but i was like oh no and he just looked at me like wide-eyed and i looked at him wide-eyed because he trusted me and like it's a it's a leadership class so it was like freshmen were in there too and i was a senior and i was like i'm so sorry um was this and i think about school? that a lot yeah this was in high school that's awesome wow. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it was yeah, it was basically like fuck school, fuck the government, masturbation, and I was like, wait, I don't remember this part of the poem, but now I do. Since we're talking about coming of age movies, spoilers um, for the bracket. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, this is just a charming little anecdote that maybe explains um, my taste in movies. Um, we killed chickens at my middle school and <laughs> there was you this really you went into that story just hard no <laughs> no lead in just <laughs> dead chickens um and there was this girl who broke their necks with her hands if you're out there i genuinely want to know if you've ended the life of another human being yet <laughs> yeah so hello and welcome back if you've ever listened to one of our episodes before uh, we're the Tough Cut Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. And I hey. am not in school anymore. Oh, I forgot you give yourself a title. I was fully ready to be like, and I'm Jake <laughs> Booga Booga Boo. And you, uh, yeah, there you go. Thanks for that. Age is coming. You're welcome. Yeah, this is episode <laughs> 18 of the Tough Cut Podcast. Oh my God, part wait. one. That's of our coming dope. of age bracket. We yeah. planned that, baby. We shit. knew that was going to happen. That's crazy. <laughs> Wait, that blows my mind. Guys, Wait, guys. Hell yeah. Our podcast going to have sex now. And it, uh, it fucks. We know yeah. our podcast fucks. Our podcast and it will be fucks. 21 was, by the end of coming of I age. I was going to say that our podcast can vote now or go to war, but you went straight <laughs> to the fucking. Yeah, it can go die in the Falklands. <laughs> <laughs> that'll make sense later audience <laughs> it's not gonna make sense later unless you watch the movies in this bracket um i guess to let you know what's coming your way uh coming. in the first half of the episode 
here we've got Perks of Being a Wallflower versus Booksmart. Whew, that should be a fun one. And then the second half of the episode, uh, we've got a doozy in the form of This is England versus Jojo Rabbit. Wowza. It's yeah. crazy that these four movies were matched up because, like, what perfect matchups. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. We, we, we promise we, we do random brackets. Yeah. Uh, it just happens to be perfect. Yeah. And I will say, I'll throw out um, a little content warning for these movies. If you do decide to like stop and be like, I want to watch these movies, or if we kind of talk about some harder topics um, in Perks of Being a Wallflower, they discuss suicide and sexual assault, including minors and stuff like that. So be on the lookout for that. And in This is England and Jojo Rabbit, there are some harsh depictions of racism, um, anti-Semitism. Um, and then more intensely, uh, some physical like acts of racism in this is England and, you know, spoken like verbal <laughs> and, yeah. you know, spoiler warning too, we're going to be spoiling these movies as well. But what's this about, Alex? Like, you know what? Tell us about the theme of the bracket in detail, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Coming of age. Uh, they're movies about people figuring out how to be older people. That's the bracket. We picked those wow. movies. Yeah. I, I love how I'm like in charge of explaining the brackets, but I only do it half the time. So I feel like it's always this like really half-assed, awful explanation of the theme. It's part of our charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so charming, guys. It's what Maybe. makes us so fuckable. Maybe. <laughs> we can say that now that we're 18. And, I mean, our 18th we're 18. We can talk about how fuckable our podcast is. You can is. now fuck our podcast. Be sure. To mention that in your reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> no reviews of Supernova, so I am furious. Big shame. Big shame. Should we get into this first matchup? Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Hey, Alex, why don't you go ahead and introduce Booksmart? All right. Yeah, we're going in alphabetical order now. Uh, <laughs> Booksmart released in 2019, directed by Olivia Wilde. Amy and Molly are academic overachievers and they are about to graduate high school and go off to their dream colleges when they realize all of their cool partying high school friends or not friends, uh, schoolmates also got into their dream colleges. So like, why did they waste all their time studying and doing school when they could just been partying the whole time? So they decide to cram it all into one big night before graduation and things get a little crazy you're lying alex there is no way they get crazy the plot of a teen comedy gets crazy it's called book smart i expect books and i expect smarts and that's what i want so i actually had a totally different movie picked in this slot uh, a week ago and uh watched half of this movie and was like Dang, this one's real good. And so I put this in instead. Again, uh, your energy. He watched half a movie and put it in the bracket. I get so mad. And he's so lucky it's a good one. It's a good, it's a good movie. One. It's really good. And I was so impressed by it. I feel like it does what movies like Super Bad were trying to do, but in a more interesting way. Yeah. What'd you guys think about this movie? You saw it before I did. That's true. I want to say as a comment, just to that comparison, I, I do say, cause these movies are obviously like super bad. I want to say is compared to book smart a lot because it's a lot of the same fuckery, but I do think super bad succeeded in a lot of stuff and did a lot of oh, good absolutely. things for the, absolutely. That was not a bash on super bad in any way. I just think yeah. book smart 
has a really interesting take on oh, that. Oh yeah, no, it definitely complicates it further. Uh, I love this movie. I love Booksmart. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great like spin on it. it. It came out of nowhere, sort of a deal. Like, you know, good. It's like supporting lead actresses. Like they were phenomenal. Uh, and I'm just, I, yeah, I love, I love the movie. It's a very great depiction of like flipping the whole like main character syndrome sort of a deal. And like, I really love that. We'll get into that later, but that's why I really love it. Um, It's a fun one. Like, it's a fun time. For sure. Yeah. So I hadn't uh, seen this movie before. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, I know. I it was like on my list, which I say about so like every movie in this show that I haven't seen pretty much. I go, it was on my list. I just never got to it. This is genuinely true. Matthew asked (laughs) me to start this podcast because he wanted to force himself to watch more movies. (laughs) Ironically, kind of true. (laughs) This was super fun. Um, I'd gotten like so many recommendations to watch it and it was just a, it was a good time. I, I also on the super bad point because I love, I'm sure super bad will show up in a bracket one day. Craziest thing. The leads of each movie are siblings. Wait, what? Jonah Hill and oh my God, you're right. are siblings. Wild. Yeah, I know. No, the, the parallels of the movie run like super, super deep. It's it's pretty fucking dope. Hey, Jake, you want to introduce Perks of Being a Wallflower? I do. I, so I, I know it's my turn too, but this is one I really hold dear, guys. I pitched Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, came out in 2012 based on the book uh, by Stephen Chabosky and also was written by him. That like never happens. It's one of the very few, if not the only instance where the author of a book gets got to direct his own movie fucking love that um but it's about a socially awkward teen charlie he enters high school as a wallflower um you know someone who just observes things to talk behind the scenes um into two charismatic seniors take him under their wing and become his mentors and his close friends and you know they discover first loves and friendship and movies and music and <laughs> you know while confronting topics of mental health and you know the feeling of belonging acceptance confidence and dealing with some some tough stuff so it's a it's a lovely lovely ride uh, yeah again this is like I, i've mentioned this before in the bracket and to y'all but like you know that whole question i asked for like you know the top five movies that define you this is like has been and will probably always be one of them i adore this film a lot and i take it to heart a lot uh and i'm excited that it's in a bracket finally i was gonna put it in animal protagonist because i knew there were no rules for that <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I decided I'll wait for one where it, you know, actually fits the theme pretty damn well. So uh, I'm really hoping you guys love this movie, too. But what do you guys think? I can go first. Oh, God. Are you going to say you're going to hate it? I hate your little I can go first. I can I can go first. Last <laughs> time you heard me say something like that, it was bad news bears. No, I'm joking. Um, so I've seen this movie before. It's been a pretty long time since I've seen it. Like I was probably in high school when I last saw it. Oh, wow. Fun. Yeah. So I think that like I, I like enjoyed it, but I don't think I really got it being younger. Like it had a very different effect on me being an adult and like rewatching this movie. I think there were a lot of things that hit a lot harder having like come into some more shared experiences. Yeah, so it was a it was a really interesting one to rewatch. I had never seen this movie before. Watching it for the first time, knowing how important this movie is to you, Jake, it explains so much about <laughs> your personality and the way you are as a friend and like how you act as a friend. Uh, it's kind of bonkers the way that I see facets of your personality in every single one of the characters in this movie. It's just kind of bonkers and wild. 
I definitely forward my life around a, a, a big chunk of this movie and book. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. It was a great movie. I do have things that I want to talk about. And I think a really interesting comparison to get into between these movies is the way that they depict high school. Because yeah. I don't know what your guys' high school experiences were like. Mine, I guess it was closer to book smart than it was to Perks of Being a Wallflower. Were your guys' high schools, like, did you experience where seniors were just, like, cool and would bully freshmen? No. Did you guys experience yeah. that? Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I went to, like, two different high schools, and I kind of had experiences in both hats. So during my first, like, high school, it was much more Perksy, and then my second was much more uh, booksy, smarty. Uh, these are scientific film terms that I'm using. <laughs> I just like, yeah. I can't imagine a high school where the seniors actually give a crap about anything the freshmen are doing. Yeah, I went to a huge high school. Well, huge is relative, but one of the biggest high schools in my state. And seniors just literally couldn't give less of a shit about freshmen because they have, you know, 700 people in their own class to deal with and like, I don't know, bully and whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say like, because you're you're mostly like talking about like how perks and like the whole like freshman and like all that stuff, right? I think what perks does really well to sub sub subvert that actually is slowly start to peel back that they actually don't give a shit. And like the most people like it's really like all their own individual worlds and all this. Like there are no it peels back hierarchies so well uh, and yeah. the whole like these are the like it sets it up like these are the cool kids. These are whatever, because that's what Charlie's saying. He's like, that's is what I think it is. And then when he actually befriends actual seniors, he's like, wait, no, everyone's different. Oh, God. Oh, the, the team captain is gay and he's sleeping with. My, oh, oh, I didn't know all this. Sh oh, it's like that's what it, like we're in Charlie's head of it all being like, yeah, this is what high school is about. But really, nah. But doesn't the the his original perception sort of ultimately prevail, though? Like the the team captain gets, you know, beaten by his dad and breaks up with his, you know, breaks up with his boyfriend and falls in with everyone else like I think they, it complicates, they, you know, like it shows the steps towards that. And I think it, it brings it in like new light. You know what I mean? So it's not just like the whole like 80s, like, oh, senior, you're dead after school. Sure. It's I more like, a, yeah, it's more him seeing like Brad or seeing and be like, oh, I kind of understand now rather than just being like it's a like two dimensional character. Just like losers are locked into the role of loser. The jocks are locked into the yeah. role of jock for good and bad. Yeah. Hmm. Comparing that, though, to Booksmart. I thought Booksmart's representation was a lot closer to what I experienced in school of like these different groups that are cool, I guess, in their own right of like they just don't really give a fuck about what the other groups think. Like the theater nerd kid doesn't care what the jocks think. And he is like has his own cool thing going on. That murder mystery party is so Looks funny. So fun. I would have loved to be oh there. My God, I would have had a <laughs> blast at that party. I wanted to. Yeah. Something to the credit, I think of what you're getting at, or well, I sort of what you're getting at, but I think an interesting intersection with Jake's point on how perks of being a wallflower is kind of subverting the hierarchy. Um, something that was like super true at my own high school in some sense. People who I went to high school with are going to like fucking message me after this and say I'm <laughs> literally lying. <laughs> um, the, the fact that they have like this 
primary jock character, but I think they subvert that by also having him be like a genuinely charming and implied to be intelligent person as well. Like he is not just that jock. I think that there is some of that like subverting of expectation or hierarchy going on there as well um, in a really cool way, because like that I think is more, more real life than, you know, the jocks are only jocks, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the best part, like, I love that book smart. Like, one of my favorite things and what I, uh, favorite scenes is when they're in the bathroom, like, making fun of, uh, Beanie and they're doing the stuff and then she comes out and she does the stereotypical, like, well, I'm going to be your boss one day and I'm going to do all that stuff. And then they're like, but I got into Yale. And the whole, the line, I give incredible hand jobs and I got into Yale. Like, I love that <laughs> I- shit. That's so good. It's they're making fun of her personality. They're not making fun yes. of her looks. And like, there's not a way yeah. you can like come back from that. You know, I yeah. literally lost my shit in that bathroom scene. I was watching it and I was like, when the other girl said like, well, I got into Yale. I was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. Perks actually does it too by saying they do it too. And they explore the other people. It's not just the smart, like hot, like whatever people it's Perks, like that scene where, you know, she's like, Hey, nice, whatever. And like, she calls up like a slur. And then he's like, believe it or not, she's had straight A's since like, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's like the same thing, but instead they also talk about like, uh, Emma Watson's character, Sam, she isn't a stereotypical, like dumb person, whatever, like struggling to get into college. She's just like a very complicated, very like shown to be a smart person, but she still is struggling and like worries about SATs and like all that stuff. And it's like a really big like thing. Um, I think they just tackle like more layers of like the, the people, not just the people who are like, yeah, we all got into Yale and Stanford. I think the way Booksmart does it is so funny and fun. They're also pursuing different goals though. Like For sure. Booksmart's not trying to delve into mental health in the same way. So like it wouldn't make as much sense for them to explore like the failure to get into college. Absolutely. I think they both do it in a very fun way, in a very way that makes you like care, care about these people for like no fucking reason to be like, yeah, that's cool. I just love the line. I give incredible hand jobs and I got into Yale. <laughs> yeah, I want that to be like the top of my like resume list. Like, you know, like this is... <laughs> Well, so you gotta good. gotta work on both those skills, Jake, to get that on the resume. <laughs> hey, how would you know about? How, wait, hello, <laughs> Matthew. Was it not a good time? <laughs> I mean, I. I okay. <laughs> yes, Anyone else and. have a, a, a different? <laughs> yes, a different and. topic of conversation. Um, we're gonna I do a. Been... We're gonna do a straight and a straight no butt. <laughs> Improv, well, it actually, baby. it actually wouldn't be straight. But anyway, uh, moving forward. <laughs> well, genuinely, I mean, these both tackle like the LGBTQ community like pretty like well too, yeah. and like the depictions yeah. of that. I thought that was also Caitlin Denver. Uh, is Denver her last name? Dever. Amy. Amy's character, like in Booksmart, is so. She's so good. She's so good in this. She's this so good. I also fantastic. Like how. I think this this is credit to both films in terms of the representation of the LGBTQ plus community is that they're gay characters. It's not like their primary character trait is the fact that they are gay. Like they are just actual people that are also gay, which like 
it, it goes a step beyond just performative inclusion, which I think is like a really, really nice thing that both of these movies do. But Booksmart also plays on the trope with the theater kid. Uh, like they do both. And I think that's what makes it yeah. fun is that yeah. they make a character who's just like, whoa, whatever. <laughs> but like so much that also like your main character is like, it's not a big deal. I'm here. Um, I also yeah. love the like their her sex scene. Uh, I just love, you know, how <laughs> imperfect and the awkwardness of sex. Like, hell yes. I love that shit so much. Yeah, it's handled really well. Isn't yeah. it also funny how random comedians pop up in these movies? Like fucking you have yeah. Will Forte and then you have Paul Rudd on the other side. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like Jason Sudeik. That would make sense because Olivia Wilde. Uh, uh, um, but no, go, go for it. No, I was just going to say because you mentioned Paul Rudd. Both of these movies do it, um, which I think we've said for like so many things. Obviously, I think Paul Rudd's character is a little bit more central of the two teacher characters present. The other we'll talk about um, that has a whole situation to unpack. (laughs) I think Paul Rudd's character, one of the things I like so much about that is I having seen it now as an adult and being able to reflect on my high school experience, having like a really, really good teacher. Um, who can support you yeah. in that way is something that like in retrospect, I appreciate so much. It's always the English teachers too. <laughs> it's always the English <laughs> teachers. It, weirdly enough. Yes, actually. And there, there was part of me that like, I understand he doesn't ne- need to serve like a major narrative purpose. It's, you know, more just like a guiding point for um, Charlie. But like, I liked that he was present. I like there was this demonstration of like the valuable, the good teacher. I mean, he has like the the I want to I want to touch on the teacher stuff, too. But he has one of like the best lines and like also one of the angstiest lines, whatever. It's like, you know, why do nice people choose the wrong people to date? And he's like, we accept the love we think we deserve. Um, And then expanding on it's like, can we make them know they deserve more? We can try. And then I just wrote angst after that. Uh, Angst is one of my (laughs) criteria. Actually, it's angst, soundtrack and message are the three things that I'm going for. Really? Uh, interesting. I don't know. I, I I will say the the teacher thing in Booksmart still is uncomfy for no reason, and it makes me super upset. At, like I get so here's my whole... thing about it. They explicitly make a joke about that guy having to repeat years of school, yeah, and they, they explicitly yes. show you know, her like they do that know. early on. We know, they explicitly but show her still. checking to make sure his age. He's the one who's instigating it. I don't know. It's still a little bit weird. Um, and still I mean, weird it's for weird. like the crux of the joke. Like it's still, like we get it and we, we do it. And it's a way to be like, Oh, we can finally fuck the teacher in a, in a coming of age, whatever thing. But I still <laughs> think it's like, mm, maybe not because she was also like, should I, should I go to the party? Should I like do it? And then like her growling at the same, I don't know. It's just a little, Nah, for me. Well, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Jake, you're the one who's criticizing a movie. About he was in college. He was in college at the time. Okay, Jake was in okay, college. But yeah, I, this okay, kid I was did. college age. But he was yeah, in, but he's high in high school, school, though. And they're teaching like high school things. She probably like, had to teach him by, when he was like. By the same nature. If I am 18 in high school, I'm over the legal age of consent. Is it okay then? Like if yeah. I go back to a freshman year teacher I haven't had in two years, it's like the same situation or whatever. Can I sleep with that teacher? Yeah, legally, it's, just a weird, it's like, probably okay. Thing. Yeah, it's just it's just a little like I don't know. Like I didn't have a huge issue with it, but it was something that hit my radar. Is like it's a little odd. 
it's just odd for a movie that has such strong like writing and like jokes and like relationship stuff for them to like want to include that bit in you know what i mean it just felt like off and not like matching their energy which was like a shame because i love their energy and i love seeing like two best friends and their depiction of friend like the depiction of friendship in both these movies is so good yeah so so good like the secret santa bit in perks being a wallflower like capturing the sweet feeling of being with a group of friends and like what these silly things mean individually as a group I want to call something out about the secret Santa that uh, I don't know, man, approves that Charlie has to be like this, the least perceptive son of a bitch on Earth. (laughs) So they're doing secret Santa. It's implied by sort of the way the scene plays out. Charlie goes last. And they've guessed after each person and been told if they were right or wrong. And somehow Charlie gets his wrong when he went last. Are you fucking with me, guys? He's He's scared. He doesn't want to upset anybody. He's nervous. He's anxious, boy. He should have known. He should have known who who it was. He was probably hyper focused on his gift for Sam. And he just, you know. <laughs> Look at Jake I will say, excuses. I will say that <laughs> Alice's character just describes as loving vampires wanting to go to film school and stealing jeans from the ball. I was like, damn, girl, maybe I did, like, maybe I am these characters. In a movie. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to call that out because it made me so mad watching it and being like, wait, <laughs> how did you get that wrong? <laughs> Some people aren't that perceptive. Uh, I so I talked about it before, like in the opening stuff, but something that I thought was really, really uh, a cool comparison about these is how they tackle main character like syndrome and how like we all feel like we're the main characters of our lives for Booksmart. uh, You know how they literally were like, dude, shut up. Like you're not the main character and you have to like live. Everyone's the main character, but also like how Charlie is aggressively. He feels aggressively that he's not the main character and that's what makes him the main character. So I don't know what do you guys like think about that distinction. Cause when I was thinking like I watched these movies uh, back to back and it was just such an interesting like comparison about these kind of protagonists. Yeah. I, I guess that's an interesting point to bring up because both of them, I feel like actively examine it right because book smart they the whole plot of the movie is them realizing that they aren't the main characters and the whole plot of perks is charlie realizing his trauma and why he doesn't feel like a main character weirdly enough though book smart almost comes to the conclusion that they are still the main character though yeah like their fight ends up being like the major event of the party the cops show up and um amy you Mm -hmm. know makes becomes the sacrificial lamb to save everybody else from the police they like pull up in a badass entrance to their graduation yeah (laughs) wait okay talk about the graduation the moment where i don't remember the kid's name where he's like okay we're gonna do this he pulls up the speech and just goes hi i'm molly uh, Jared, like that, I think. Jared, when he Jared, says, yeah. hi, I'm Molly, you <laughs> yeah. just know it's going to yeah. spiral downwards. It's so funny. I am a strong I, woman. Yeah, he's very... I, I yeah. love Jared's character because I feel like I literally know real life embodiments of that yeah. person. I uh, So, uh, going back to like the other point, I think what it Charlie's like trying to do mostly is like trying to be present. Like he's trying to say like, I'm learning to participate more. Like I really want to learn how to participate. And like, 
that's the exact same thing the book smart ladies are trying to do. They're trying to participate and be present in a way they never thought they were being. And they mm-hmm. both romanticize college or like just the future. And even our other characters in purse romanticize college. Like Sam's talking about like, you know, you look out and you hear this song and you see your person and you're going to be okay. And like all that stuff, like it's this romanticizing this thing, but trying to be like as aggressively like present as possible. Um mm. And, you know, you know, Perks has this line where it's like, you know, you can't just sit there, put everybody's lives ahead of yours and think that counts as love. And like, you know, you're both happy and sad at the same time. And like these like really complicated whatevers. So I just want to hone in on that moment between Sam and Charlie at the end where they like finally kiss and like have that conversation. I think that conversation is so smart. It's so well written because the whole movie You're like, oh, if only Sam wasn't in this crappy relationship, Charlie would ask her out. But then finally, she's like, well, you could have told me how you feel. Like she puts the onus back on him of like, you weren't just being a nice guy. You could have done something, you know, and I think it's so well written and smart to like turn the tables on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, getting that ownership. It's it's not like a cut and dry. Like, again, it's him. He's not like an overwhelmingly not main character that he's a main character. It's like, no, it goes both ways in a really, in a really fun way. What were you going to say, Matthew? I'm very curious about what your thought was. There, mine, mine was completely unrelated. Something I just want to highlight from Perks of being a wallflower. So this is one of the things that changed a ton for me being a kid watching this or being like a teenager watching this to now. I don't recall having specific feelings on Craig when I was younger, the college guy <laughs> who's dating Emma Watson's character. He's fucking awesome. Um, I took notes on this motherfucker. Um, but watching it again as an adult, I'm like, man, what a tool. The, <laughs> but the biggest thing I this needs to I need to say this. I know a a Craig in real life when I was in it was just after I graduated high school. um, I was talking with one of my coworkers. I was a summer camp counselor um, and he was talking about this guy who's like always at these parties and one of our other coworkers who's two years older than me overhears and is like, are you talking about like Ryan such and such? Um, My my first coworker is like, yeah, why? He's like. He graduated with me like three years earlier. Um, And this guy had been coming home on the weekends from college to go to high school parties. He was a fucking he at this point, it would have been the summer of his sophomore year of high school of uh, college. And he was actively going to high school parties. Um, And that is so fucked. And that is the only thing I can think of when I think of Craig. And I'm like, man. That's so disgusting. That's, That's so big awful. Yikes. I don't know. Yeah. Poetry, Ooh. like, I don't know. I Ooh. write, I don't write poetry. Poetry writes me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck that, dude. On that, we should vote, I guess. We should vote. There's so much more to say. I, yeah. I'm just, I know there's so I really much more think, to say. Yeah, I can go first because I feel like I'm probably the most <laughs> obvious. Uh, I'm picking perks. I feel like, you know, it one, it just means like the most to me. And I just feel like it, it does blueprint like a lot of like coming of age and like really like encapsulates like a lot of stuff for a coming of age movie. Um, and it handles its like breakdown, which is something I want to talk about, like like of its character and its characters, which is really interesting when it's book smart too, but whatever. It's fine. I'll stop. I'll shut the fuck up. I'm voting for perks. I love perks. Woot. Who the fuck wants to break my heart? Which one of y'all? Um, I am... <laughs> 
It's me this time making the goblin noises. I'm also voting for Perks. Uh, I think it's just it's a great movie. I really I could have gone either way on this. I am also voting for Perks um, in a very similar spot to Alex. I'm very close on these two. Booksmart is really, really great. Um, I just more than it, like one of the big things is I think there's so much more that I want to discuss with Perks. I actually I think a really important thing to consider in coming of age movies because I think one of their big facets is how much they can mean to someone. So I think the fact that Perks means so much to Jake says a lot about the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I will say like I do think Booksmart is going to get to that though cuz it came out what 2019 like I think it's going to sure. yeah. like I already know people who love it as they deserve to. Like it's great. Also the scene of them like arguing the one pan back and forth fucking phenomenal. I just need to shout that out just because I loved it so much. Next up, guys, we've got a great matchup. Who wants to start us off? Uh, you haven't haven't heard me pitch a movie yet. So, <laughs> whoo, boy. Uh, this one, this one is a bit of a doozy. This is England, released in 2006, directed by Shane Meadows. Sean, a troubled youth in the English Midlands, um, befriends a group of classical misfit skinheads. Tensions rise when Combo, a friend of the group's leader, is released from prison and begins to espouse far-right nationalistic rhetoric that modern skinheads are known for. Uh, Sean is pulled into the ultranationalism and starts to engage in anti-immigrant racist behaviors until he is forced to confront his choices, his self-identity, and sort of what it means to be English. God, yeah. I'm sort of mad you had to like do a summary of this because I knew you were going to use more eloquent and like big words to discuss these <laughs> things. And like, you know, my movie also kind of tackles those things, but man, am I not going to be as smart sounded as you? <laughs> no, it's okay, Jake. I'll bring it. I'll bring it down to our level. Um, this movie was pretty good. And I think most of that is because I couldn't understand them saying Combo's name. And for some reason, I kept hearing Cumboat. <laughs> and it just really took me out of it. And then I was imagining Matthew, this guy Matthew's named... Matthew's having an aneurysm. This guy named Cumboat just, like, beating the shit out of people being racist. <laughs> it Matthew's really, having an aneurysm. I mean, it, I the movie was super well-written, super well-performed. I, like, totally respect what it was doing. But I just Cumboat. couldn't. Cumboat just really <laughs> took me out of it, guys. Uh, yeah, wrong coming of age, wrong coming of age. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for why I picked this movie, I think this is such a powerful capturing of a period in time and a nation's history and what it means to be a youth in that period. Um, I'm sure as yeah, and what it means to be a youth in that period, what it means to grow up then and simultaneously has such incredible attachment to this experience of falling down the the far right rabbit hole um, yeah. that is so applicable nowadays in the far right parties in England, in Europe, in the United States. It's something that we have <laughs> very prevalently dealt with. I think it's such a fantastic display of coming to terms with and grappling with your beliefs and what you how you view your own nation and how you view those around yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a mean, powerful movie. Powerful movie. I totally agree. I, I if it makes you feel any better, Matthew, I love this film. <laughs> I genuinely <Combo>. do. 
Kumbo. I love it because I heard Kumbo. Uh, that's my that's my only distinction. Only positive. <laughs> only positive. No, I think it's phenomenal. I you know this is such a. It's one of those coming of age films that's like a hard watch. And I, when I watched it, it's like. Oh God, um, I was tense like almost the whole movie because you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly and constantly. Um, and when it does, it's still like oh, such a sneaky little feeling, but it's an honest feeling and it's like a genuine feeling. And I think it does a really great job of, of getting there. Um, there are some issues with it, but like I think the issues are still what makes it a more genuine movie. And that means a lot to me. I, I really liked it. It's a hard movie to watch. And it reminded me a lot of some shit in my childhood not on the nazi side but on the like being such an impressionable kid like being like like a poor impressionable kid and like what a group of those kind of people who like are doing bad things but you still like are getting a sense of community from it and they're not doing bad things to you that's such a crucial lesson growing up and one that i had to learn growing up and like it means a lot to me uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about jojo rabbits uh then we could get into discussions yes i pitched jojo rabbit um 2019 it's by taika watiti it's uh in nazi germany a lonely german boy enamored by nazi propaganda discovers his mother is hiding a jewish girl in their attic and he's only aided by his imaginary friend adolf hitler uh, to confront his <laughs> blind nationalism as the war rages on. I just want to point out that in the description of this, if you find it and watch it on X website where you watch movies, um, it says specifically that Taika Waititi plays a ethnically inaccurate version of Adolf Hitler. <laughs> 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 and I think that's so fucking funny that they had to include that or they felt the need to include that shit. As if someone looked at this movie and was like, was Hitler a fucking <laughs> Maori, like Jew? Was that's he? not my Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. Um I yeah, I love this I love this movie. I watched it with Alex actually for the first time at the New Orleans Film Festival. Um yeah. it's, didn't even you know, invite me. Yeah, I sure, I sure fucking did it for good reason. Uh, no, I, I love this movie. It, I love um, tackling my Judaism in very complicated ways, uh, how it, like it feels about it, and I feel like this tackled it in like a very like interesting and like fun way. You know, I think I love Taika's like writing and the shit that he does, and I think it's genuinely funny, but also I think it's genuinely heartwarming. Uh, at the same time, like it's a hard movie, but you don't know it's hard because you're having fun the whole time. And then you're like, wait, shit. And that's, I love it a lot. Um, so what do you guys think? I adore this movie. I also, uh, to, I, I made it seem like I disliked This Is England more than I did. I did like it. Um, just Kumbo <laughs> was too funny to say. Um, but I adore Jojo Rabbit. I, unlike Matthew, don't really like movies that make me uncomfortable. And the way that Jojo Rabbit does it is it's so, it's so good. And I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. So I was the one of three here that hadn't seen this movie before. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super, super fun. I think the, the one piece, and I don't know if this is because I was inadvertently spoiled of a significant character death prior to, but it it was, it lacked a lot of emotional resonance. Like there wasn't a ton of emotional impact. Um, Interesting. Which 
I mean, is what it is. Like, I still think that Jojo's journey was really fun to watch and sort of this situation of befriending the 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 Jewish girl in their attic was not at all what I expected of this movie. I, because I had basically only seen the posters and knew that it was Taika Waititi as Hitler, thought it was more about like Hitler youth and like indoctrination than it was. Um, so I guess pleasantly surprised that it wasn't that. I don't know. Maybe not pleasantly surprised. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, it is in a way. It's just like hyper-focused um, on Jojo and yeah, his journey. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. you get Yogi too, which is one of the best side characters of all time. That motherfucker fucks. I love Yogi. Y- Yorkie? Is it Yorkie? Is it Yorkie? Yes, yeah, I call I him Yogi because I thought it was Yogi the bear because he was plump yeah, like Yorkie. a little bear man. That's no, fucking he's, hilarious. Yorkie. Well, Yorkie, Yogi <laughs> fucks. And uh, that actually, Jake, that leads me into the first comparison that I want to get into because I think the the way that they show indoctrination is very interesting. Because you see in Jojo Rabbit, they're already indoctrinated, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what in what Jojo Rabbit does so well is you compare Jojo escaping that indoctrination compared to you see the teenagers carted off in the cart so excited to go to war. You see Yorkie dressed up in his little paper uniform. So you like you have that contrast of other young people. But I just feel like in This Is England, you don't get as much of the like similar young person experience that you do in Jojo Rabbit. It's interesting because I don't know if I fully agree with that because I think both of these films are hyper fixated on one young kid with all these older perspectives. That's how I viewed it, at least. Mostly like a a comparison I want to make. I think Sam Rockwell's character fucking love him. Also, Sam Rockwell in coming of age movies. Let's talk about it. Brilliant. Uh, He'll pop up later on. We love the way, way back. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's yeah, he's like a great dad figure. A but Sam Rockwell's character in Jojo Rabbit, I think, reminded me so so much of. You're gonna have to help me with the name, Matthew, but of the lead, the leader of the small pack of kids, not like the Woody. actual leader, Woody. He reminded me so much of Woody. And Woody, a problem that I had with This Is England is that we didn't get to see more Woody in the second half. I thought some more shit was gonna happen uh, with him. And I get that there's a TV series of it. Yes, I was about to more. say that he he is like the principal character for a lot of the limited series that, that actor follows. was phenomenal in this yeah. is england and he was just so charismatic i was like i remember first watching this is england being so scared of when he was going to turn into an asshole like turn into someone awful indoctrinating him and then he didn't and then i was like oh shit and I, I, I think it's go, go ahead for it okay i yeah i apologize for interrupting you you're good um but i think it's one of the things that the movie plays with is it knows that most people have the modern presupposition of what skinheads are supposed to be like or what and like they don't understand that the skinheads come from this like really multicultural roots um like mm-hmm. there are huge influences of like skull soul and ska in skinhead yeah. culture which they talk about in this film and like most people only know them for their modern incarnation that are neo-Nazis. Um, and that is one of the purposes of Woody's character is to pose sort of this kind of a ri- in him and his crew. It's like this original concept of the skinhead during that transition into the ultranationalism, which is super fun, super interesting. Something I want to I think touches on something Alex mentioned earlier in terms of talking about children in the context of this is we mentioned this way back in episode one of this entire show. Child actors, they suck a lot of the time. Yeah, they do. And we get some really fantastic child actors in both of these movies. Yeah, we do. Thomas, 
who plays uh, Sean, and then Roman, who plays Jojo. Wow, they have such emotional range and lead the they are the the leading leading lads of these films and they do a great job. They're both so good. Roman Griffin Davis and, and like like they give such a good job uh especially Roman of like that awkward like I don't know like the the way the the scared like looking scared like Roman the way he looks like scared or like you know like afraid it's just so good like he's such a good yeah wow i'm glad you brought that up i'm not even be able to say words about it just because i'm picturing roman's face like during like different scenes and it's so like when like the actual like bombs are happening and he's like huddled in the corner or like when he's hugging his mom's like like it's oh he's so i i I don't know if this was your guys' experience, but <laughs> the like actual invasion of their town and Jojo Rabbit is just so funny the entire time. <laughs> um, wow. And like, obviously, I, I know yeah. there are like intentional jokes interspersed throughout, but like, again, I don't know if it was just like the way the, this movie hit emotionally, but like, yeah. it was just such a funny sequence of events that <laughs> also ties into history so, so well because like, Nazi Germany actually did conscript elderly people and children as part of like their final lines when the allies were pushing in. So, yeah, that really happened and it was really fucked. I wonder if this movie would hit emotionally different for you watching it again, knowing everything that happens versus knowing the spoiler of her death yeah. and then seeing it. Which is so sad. I'm so sorry for spoiling that for you. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> I noticed more things watching it this time than I have ever noticed in this movie. The like the, the script running, is so tight. It's so good. It's so tight. The running theme of like tying the shoelaces. Oh, there are so many moments Even in this movie. Even the hints of uh, Sam Rockwell and the other guy of like them actually yeah, having like a vegan gay, like, or even just not believing in the cause, like whenever they're like sure, burning I books mean. and like he's like looking out like the kids like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like and always drinking and stuff. So, like it's very, very good. And I also love how this film, it doesn't like, it has such a good mother, like Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. plays such a good mother and the way she like talks and redirects is so beautiful. And the scene that like stands out to me is like the whole like mother and father like scene where she pretends yeah. to be the dad. Also, But <laughs> for this is England, the mother looked young, right? Like super, super young. And I thought that was also like pretty gripping because I thought she was like a very sweet mom. Like this is England has such a like it doesn't feel like it's written. You know what I mean? It's it's a super, super intimate story in terms of like how it's played, how the character relationships are put together. I think that watching Sean sort of fall into this hole of ultranationalism, like far right ultranationalism is so painful because you get to see that like first 40 minutes or so of the film where like Sean is just like this super sweet kind of distraught youth, like whose dad is dead, died at war, raised by a single mom. You know, he's like a poor kid and like it just like, I don't know. It just watching it unfold is so powerful and so painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The parallel, I mean like literally Jojo's dad also being lost, presumed dead at war. Like, like it's, it's wild that these what these two films like grab from each other, you know, mm-hmm. and they approach it so differently. Yeah, like it's so <laughs> intense and like specific, but like Jojo's so like playful and like, I don't know, man, 
It's a curious movie. He has a, a childlike whimsy to the subject matter. Yeah, it's it's a curious movie. And I think it's, you know, represented a lot in the mom and how she talks about things and love and whatever. And like her whole speech she gives to, um, oh God, what's her name? I'm only thinking of the sister's name, Inga. That's not her actual name. Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. How When she talks to her and like, you know, drink wine, drive a car, gamble, go to Morocco, take up lovers and all this stuff. Like this whole like whimsical. Look a tiger in the eye. Look a tiger in the eye. Which she does. Which she does. Proverbial tiger, of course. (laughs) She she looks at a tiger. And then in Sean, (laughs) when he fights a tiger in This Is England, how did a tiger end up there? Clear, clearly inspired (laughs) each other. Come boat the tiger. (laughs) You gotta come boat the tiger. Life of Pi. Uh, pissing. Wow. There we go. Full circle. We did it. It all comes full circle. The circle of life. Lion King. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I, I enjoy both of these films tremendously, but something I think I want to talk about is the actual process of coming of age. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. the two of you have at least said a couple of things in terms of what defines your perspective on it. I know, you know, Jake, a little bit more clearly with Ang's soundtrack <laughs> and... um. I can't remember the third thing you mentioned. <laughs> They're very loose. <laughs> it's egg soundtrack of the message or like the whole like what they gained of the thesis. And of their I, coming I, I'd love to hear your guys's thoughts on how these two films and their protagonists fit into come like how they come of age and what that experience is like. I was going to say I prefer and love the ending of This is England so much more just because that final look in the camera like really struck me like it's really haunting uh just the whole like throat finally throwing out like the the flag so <sighs> strong but the look in the camera is like a reflection almost like a you were watching the whole time and you didn't say anything um or like we were like complicit like in this like whole process and stuff like kind of they were saying in the beginning of the film with you know the one guy was like you made you watched me made fun of milky and you didn't say anything or like whatever and this whole like really intense stuff and like making us forcing us to be a part of it and then the whole like dancing to German heroes thing, uh, <laughs> dancing to German heroes out of context. The song Heroes by David Bowie. There's a German cover, <laughs> not dancing. What to I the- wanted to note, though, about the ending of Jojo Rabbit is it so beautifully ties together because the mom tells both of them freedom is the ability to dance. You know, so them dancing at the end is showing like they're free. And the- I don't know. I think I'm also I like a happy ending. So I like Jojo Rabbit's ending more. Well, I think. But in terms of like. This is England is a triumphant ending. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's triumphant, but it's also, I don't know. The deeds are done. It doesn't feel. Yeah, it doesn't feel happy, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, yeah. Uh, Specifically, like talking about the how they come of age. I think I like the way it's portrayed in Jojo Rabbit more Hmm. because I feel like in Jojo Rabbit from the beginning of the movie, he's made his decision and he knows he thinks he knows what the decision really means. And you see him slowly come to the realization of it versus I think in this is England hits that realization like he chooses to join combo halfway through and so we see it's less of a progression of his realization to leave it's very sudden and i kind of like how in jojo rabbit his 
de-indoctrination is a very slow and kind of painful process for him versus Sean's being so sudden. And I get why Sean's is so sudden, but I like that it's a slow process for Jojo. I, I think something that's also left out of that consideration, though, is Sean's story is one that involves like we pick up with Jojo already knee deep Hitler posters on the wall. Yeah. And Sean, you just pick up as this frustrated, angry and misplaced kid in his search for community and, you know, finding that and then having this drive for wanting to feel strong in a world that has taken so much from him and having that provided to him and then beginning to find out that way. Wait, I don't want to treat people this way. I don't want like this to be the reflection of the world that I believe like. Well, but that realization isn't until the very end because he doesn't really show any reaction like that when they kick out the other skinhead. They don't show that reaction at all when they were not watching Sean through the movie. Then the the like consistent discomfort he he clearly feels through the discomfort. But you don't see like I think part of it is because you get more emotion in this is England from combo and Woody and the people who are doing the indoctrinating. And so because you get more emotion from them, I think that it takes away from because Sean, I think doesn't have a mirror. Sean doesn't have something to bounce his own discomfort off of. You see it on his face, but I feel like you don't get like his perspective enough for me versus Jojo is the driving force of, of Jojo rabbit where he is talking to everyone. He is like asking questions about the Jews asking. I feel like you don't get that same level of perspective from Sean that you do from Jojo. What I will say um, for both these films that complicate it, like I think Sean and combo crying together at Milky's death, but for different, but same reasons is like, I get that, but incapacitation. I'm going to, I'm going to say like, as I'm only viewing this as it exists, like as I know there's like other TV series, but if I'm just watching it, like as a film, his like supposed, like at that point they thought he like died or like was like close to death. So like, whatever. Sure. His, you know, crying, you know, together at Milky's suppose like beat down, like he's close to death. He's at the brink of death, Uh, but for different, but the same like reasons, like it's combo literally told Sean, like, I see you and me, you are like me and stuff. So like, Sean was forced for combo to be his mirror um, when he was slowly starting to get like others, like maybe he could have had Woody or like any, but he was forced to have combo be his mirror and like do it again. And only until they were forced to have like a really intense situation, the presumed or, you know, like beat down of another near person near murder, near um, racially motivated murder, <laughs> you know, it's only then when they're both crying at the same time, looking in the mirror, being like, wait, these things don't match. And like when combo's telling him, stop fucking crying, stop doing it as opposed. And like Jojo, it's so funny as we've talked about these films going back and forth because it's so much more lighthearted on the other side, but like Jojo, you know, he doesn't know how to tie his shoes or be a man. He's like, today you be a man and like live life without his father. But he doesn't really come of age at the conclusion. It's like, for me, it's that montage after the war ends where all of a sudden, He's living life. He's scrounging. He's making dinner. He's like tied shoes. He's like the actual like mm. matriarch of like a house of like do this stuff. And he makes his own conclusions at his own risk and like for his emotional state, for his like physical like house state, escaping the home, 
you know, not escaping because there was no real danger. It was only perceived danger of growing up. Like that's how Jojo comes of age. He leaves the house when it's perfectly fine to, but he's still afraid, afraid of losing her, afraid of like doing whatever. So both of them, I think, play with really like complicated things and is really well done. But I don't know if that fully answers your question. Hey, it doesn't have to answer a question. It can just be a statement. No, nah, it was to meant to be an answer. Did I pass? Yes. What's my grade? I want percentage. Oh, fuck. No, I don't want a letter. 87. Wanna... 87? <laughs> Jesus. That's ugly. How am I going to get into Yale? I'm only good at hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, how do you recover from that comment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you transition out? Should we vote? I know there's so much conversation to still have. I mean, we we can, we can. I know these are like, t- and I know, sorry for whatever, but like off the whatever, these are going to be tough just because like these are emotional and like, you know, beautiful little movies. So it's hard. Um, I think I'm the most torn here, honestly. So I don't yeah, want to go first. I can start us off. I'll start us off. I'm voting for Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I, yeah, I figured. I am voting for This Is England. Can I get... A one word pitch for both of yours so I can one word. Yeah, one word. (laughs) One word. First thing that comes into your mind. Why should I pitch Jojo Rabbit? Uh, Alex, go. One word. Taika. Damn. All right. Matthew, one word. Why should I pick this Ziggler? Cumboat. Wow. Genius. Genius, Matt. I have no idea what he's going to pick. <laughs> In the spirit of a comment that Matthew made before the podcast, uh, less cum content. All right. Jojo Rabbit is yeah. what I picked. I, um, yeah, these these were tough. All these are going to be tough, I think, going forward. I Because these movies mean a lot to us growing up, and it's really, really cool to see that. Um Jojo's just a little bit more my speed of a coming of age thing, even though... This is England is a beautiful movie. It's a hard watch for me. Yeah. Well, I, there was so literally so, so, so much I still wanted to talk about with This is England. Like we didn't even get into the respect it pays to its historical period, the way it, the politics are mirrored between modern day and the period it's framed in and how that all plays into like falling down the alt-right rabbit hole. Yeah. There's just so much good stuff. That makes me, it's fine. I like, I like Jojo Rabbit. I really enjoyed it. So, you know, cheers to the winner. Um, It moves on. All right. With that, Moving on, we have Perks of Being a Wallflower and Jojo Rabbit. And coming at you next episode, we've got Eighth Grade versus How to Train Your Dragon and The Way Way Back versus Ladybird. God, those are another. I'm so, <laughs> I love these movies so <laughs> fucking much. It's this bracket's going to be something. Remember when we were like, man, Oscar movies got pretty heavy. We're going to do a lighter theme bracket next time. And then we picked Coming of Age. <laughs> wow. Yeah. A uh, little content warning for if you plan to watch uh, the movies of the next eighth grade has a very um, intense uh, suggestive scene. It doesn't show anything explicitly, but it is a very intense, suggestive sexual situation uh, that is all too familiar. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Everything else unless. Yeah. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as Alex normally says. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. I don't think I've ever thanked them before in my life. thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate it we also uh have some good friends who also make podcasts some good friends make a 
cryptid podcast called Across the Veil. Um, we're going to play a little bit from them at the end of the episode. So check them out, too. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Spooky, spooky, fun ladies. Hey, if you enjoyed the show. Oh, yeah. Review us on all your favorite podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Follow us on all of them to catch new episodes every Monday. Uh, Tough Cut Pod on Instagram and Twitter and also Letterboxd. Yeah, I don't write poetry. Poetry writes me. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would. Take child. Hello, hello, ghouls, ghosts, goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with host Emma and Zelda. We're two amateur cryptozoologists on a mission to explore the things that lie beyond. Beyond what? I I, I don't know. The the veil? It it just sounds poetic and mysterious. True. (laughs) Learn about cryptids, folklore, monsters, and things that are just kind of haunted. Anything that seems a little otherworldly and strange. Just like us. <laughs> New episodes out every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at across.the.veil and Twitter at acrossthevale one We hope you join us next time. Across, across the Veil. veil.